there, fellow explorers. Welcome to the Possibility Flow. I'm Zoya, and I invite you to join our voyage to look at beliefs and experiences from new perspectives, free our authentic selves, and release our power to manifest magical possibilities. All aboard! Griffin took a deep, cleansing breath and opened his eyes. The air felt cool as it traveled through his lungs and seemed to help bring life back into his knees as they knelt in the grass. The sun, which was blazing when he first knelt for his meditation, had just sunk below the tree line. The sounds of the park were beginning to still. How long had he been here? An hour? More? Well... It really didn't matter. This meditation had allowed him to ascend more. He could feel it. Griffin followed his guidance to meditate in a public space, trust his senses, and believe that he would be safe. It was a big challenge considering how safety-aware he was. He didn't even open his front door without a defense plan in mind. Yet today, in the garden clearing of a public park, he'd lost himself and was made anew for it. A smile began to creep onto his lips, just as a breeze began to waft the scent of lilies through his hair. He did it. He really fucking... You know, that's really not safe. Came the smooth, warm voice of a woman. Griffin whipped his head to see her leaning against the big oak tree, slightly behind him to his right. She was of average height, with long brown hair pulled into a ponytail. Despite his kneeling in the sun for hours... She was bronze compared to him. In this light, he couldn't tell what color her eyes were to complement the curious look on her face. Excuse me? He was sure he didn't need an answer to this woman. I was curious if you dropped something or what. You've been here for a while. I was meditating. The frown was buried deep into her brow. <laughs> meditating? A mocking tone to her voice. Yes, meditating. What? You've not heard of it? The woman shook her head, pulling her hands from her pockets, the movement causing Griffin to almost imperceptibly flinch. Damn it. Relax, Gandhi, the woman said, crossing her arms. See, even you know it's not safe to be out here. Taking a breath, he recentered himself. She didn't know what he'd experienced after all. Griffin took in her stylishly torn jeans and white, loose V-neck T-shirt. Do you often watch people in the park? He asked. No, she said. Just people who look like they're begging to be mugged. I'm curious what makes them so oblivious and how long it'll take someone to mug them. Usually not long. Do you help? Why would I do that? It's their lesson to learn. What? When the hell is this woman? A voyeur of street crime? Realizing he was still kneeling, Griffin stood and brushed speckles of dirt from his sand-colored pants and checked his white shirt for dust. Good. No grass stains. So you watch people get attacked, robbed, and do nothing? I didn't say that. Yes, you did. No, you heard wrong. You said you wait and see how long it'll take someone to mug them. I don't watch the mugging. Exasperated, Griffin stumbled over his words. You, you, clearly you're hearing things. Do you often do that? She took a step away from the tree. Instinctively, Griffin took a step back, his dominant right foot sliding behind his left, hips width apart. 
The woman looked down at his movement and chuckled silently to herself. Look, Chuck Norris, when you're in the fifth, you understand that everyone has their own lesson to learn. I'm curious about those moments when their choices, or lack of awareness, brings one to them. After that, I leave them to it. Oh, I see. The fifth. And the CIA tested LSD out on people, right? You're kidding me. He was beginning to feel his peace and his patience slipping. He took another deep breath, cycling the air through his body, urging his heart to calm. Meditation is a wonderful tool to learn compassion. The words emerge practically as a soft growl. Incredulously, the woman said, Meditation makes people kneel in the park amongst lovers, muggers, and thieves. Lovers? And they're the same thing. Often but not always. Not the lovers. I disagree, she said with a shrug. And the park is safe. Sure, asked Sergeant. He'll tell you. Everyone's a criminal to him. That's it. The woman is, is... Who in the hell is Sergeant? With a huff. Griffin pat his pockets, following his ritual to make sure he had everything. Wallet, phone, keys. Look, she said. Meditation is a way to get you to zone out, to stop paying attention. When you enter the fifth dimension, you won't need it. You have no idea, do you? The woman turned and began to walk away, looking over her shoulder, and she said, You're not woke, just as Griffin whispered in an exasperated sigh. You need to wake up. In the story, who's the one that's truly woke? Or is being woke a myth? Is it possible that when we claim being woke, we're creating the spiritualist version of hierarchy? In most traditions, there's a concept of some form of ascension, a place where the path leads to. Now, some would say that this is justification for the belief to exist to begin with, but it may also be because we as humans really do like to have a payoff for some of the things that we do. There are many reasons why, in general, humans want to believe in spiritualist terms. We also like to believe that what we're here for and the things we endure do actually have a purpose. We want to know as best as we can that there's something more out there that justifies our existence, something more than the seemingly menial day-to-day drudge, suffering, and struggle of being human. We want to believe that goodness can have future benefits, and if not that, goodness in helping humankind, other sentient beings, and for some, caring for nature, actually becomes justified when we put away the destructive behaviors that are contrary to good actions. So in other words, if we are good, then we'll be rewarded with a final peace. But not everyone sees through this lens. Those who don't aspire for there to be more, such as atheists or agnostics and others, may not want the more, but they do at times want to find a personal purpose for life, even if that belief doesn't involve a spiritual evolution. Now, one could argue and say that since their goodness isn't driven by a spiritual reward or fear or some other sort of motivation, it is motivated by simply wanting to help others and nature And as such, there may be less reasons to compare one person's actions to another in something like wokeness. In that sense, spiritual evolution isn't even a motivator needing ranking or validation for them. But this is a very subjective viewpoint. What if someone asked an atheist, why do you help others if you don't believe in a God or something greater? And an atheist might simply say, because I don't believe in being an asshole? (laughs) 
But no matter our beliefs, we often struggle with just being without some form of payment, whether that be carnal or spiritual. One of the key focuses of some practices is to get to a state of just being in the present. Meditation, for example, is an idea of that. So how do we know when we're growing or evolving beyond where we've been? Is it just a feeling? Is it a knowing? And if so, that's perfectly valid and keeps our focus within. But oftentimes, however, we come to the understanding of ourselves by comparing ourselves to others. But is it necessary to have this comparison to validate our spiritual or energetic growth and evolution? I was at the local farmer's market not too long ago, and there was a gentleman, a vendor, who had these beautiful, what I call, works of art. What he would do is he would take slices from trees and make them into furniture. Now, this isn't normal furniture like, you know, you'd say, okay, of course they make tables out of trees. But no, what he would do is he would keep the natural shape of the tree and he would pour resin in there and color the resin with beautiful blues and cobalts and purples and reds and whatnot and make these what I think were beautiful works of art. So there were tables and nightlights and uh, pieces that you would hang on your wall. They were just absolutely gorgeous pieces. So he and I got to chatting about how he created his art, and he was explaining to me that some of the trees were olive and ash and oak and and how they would um, how the different trees would have different patterns. And he asked me what I did, and I said, "Well, you know, I said I'm a certified meditation teacher and uh, I'm an herbalist, and I was explaining some of the things that I do." And he said, you know, I've never really been able to meditate. I have tried many times for many years, and I just can't quite seem to get there. And I found that interesting because I'm looking at these pieces that obviously require a lot of focus. And I said, well, tell me a little bit about how you create these pieces. And he goes into explaining to me about how he sources the trees and the patterns of the trees would help him to understand how these pieces of art were created. Now, I've worked with wood a little bit. I love to be in a wood, wood shop and play with tools and all that sort of thing. But I've, I've never harvested a tree for, um, for any sort of work. But I imagine that the grain of the wood or the pattern of the wood will let you know how it needs to be cut. And, um, and you really need to understand what the tree is doing in order to, uh, to do this the right way. And I asked him, I said, so when you are creating these pieces or you're ideating around what you're going to do with a piece of wood that you've harvested, are you thinking about rush hour traffic or, you know, 20 million other things or tell me what that's like? And he says, oh, no, I'm, I'm really focused. And he explains to me that, uh, you know, it's a very kind of private practice for him. And I said, you know, that is a meditative practice. He says, what do you mean? I said, well, you don't have to sit on a cushion in order to be in a meditative state. Every time that you are connecting with a tree and understanding what the pattern is, what the furniture is, what the art is that lies within, you are connecting with energy. You are focused. And while you're working with these power tools, you have to be very focused there too. Or if you're using even hand tools. Meditation is about finding that quiet space, shutting things out, non-striving, and allowing yourself to simply be. And he never thought of it that way. 
And I shared with him that just because it's not a formal practice doesn't mean that it's not a practice. Now, to the person meeting this gentleman who's in the mindset of what woke is, would probably say that he is not because he's not using the terminology. He's not buying the crystals and doing all the stuff. No, he's just working with a piece of wood to find the magic within. I would even argue that this gentleman, because he knows how to simply be and allow energy and magic to flow through him, he may even be more quote-unquote woke than the person who does sit on a cushion all day and knows all the fancy fifth dimension terms and all that sort of thing. Now, that's not to say that the person who does use those terms isn't connected. But there is no comparison because each person's path and practice is unique. It's common to hear people in the spiritual community say that the reason why they left traditional practice such as Christian religion is because of things like close-minded thinking or incongruency between words and deed, or simply put, hypocrisy, expectations of conformity and such. Practices that many would deem as various levels of shaming are often employed to get people to either convert or followers to comply with the beliefs and practices. Now, this is the case for many religious practices, whether they're theological or not. And while they may teach that there's no condemnation, the shaming is often exactly that, but justified for the sake of compliance or from the religious perspective to keep someone on the path and from straying from the faith or from goodness. You'll hear terms like, You've fallen short of the glory of God. You've backslidden. You've displeased this deity or that. So you must be humble and humble yourself for your insolence. Are we putting the same type of requirement on people to be woke? Saying that to be evolved or conscious or aware, there's some sort of level that we have to reach? And if so, by whose standards? Now, unlike an organized religion, there's no one spiritual text, leadership, or council. It's all very subjective. The perceptibly non-religious spiritual community is more eclectic than that of the traditional religious community. But let's take a look at one of those. Now, I know more about Christianity, so I'll use that as our main example. In the Christian church, for example, the goal is to be saved. But the definition of what that is varies by denomination, and sometimes even churches within that denomination. For some, you simply have to choose the path of Christianity, while for others, you must also dedicate your life to Christ and commit to living your life by the words of the Bible, their spiritual texts. Then there are those who believe that you must also do these things, but be baptized. And how you're baptized varies from denomination, even from church to church. Some say that being sprinkled is enough. Others say that that's not baptism. You have to be dunked in the water. Now, in the Pentecostal, or even more so, the Apostolic Pentecostal Church, which, believe it or not, at one time I was an adherent to, you're not saved until you also speak in tongues, hopefully being slain in the Spirit or basically knocked out by the Spirit of their God, the Holy Spirit. And if you're a Jehovah's Witness, on the other hand, which has similar legalistic belief systems, you must commit your life to the ways of the church under the rules of that faith following Jehovah. Now compare this with Islam, Judaism, or even, let's say, Hinduism. 
All of these believe that they have the real truth about this world and reality and the veil removed from their eyes. But let's look even outside of religion. There's conspiracy theorists who have their own faith practices in believing that they see a truth that others don't see. Flat earthers, moon landing deniers, pandemic populist control, political theorists. We've seen a lot of that in recent years. They all believe that they've awakened into a light that others refuse to or are incapable of seeing. Now, each of these claims to have a goal of some form of clarity or awareness or ascension to be the true path, and those who adopt the belief system are deemed to be awakened to the truth. Is this not all defined like the woke we speak of today? But who's right? Now let's talk about rightness for a second. For there to be rightness, there must also be what? A counter to that, right? Wrongness. But also ineptitude, ignorance, resistance. Pick a word, any of them work. The question then becomes, does classifying woke versus not woke become counterproductive to this level of elevation being sought? Is the very act of categorization counter to the love and equality and all these other things that many of these seem to have in common that they say they're trying to achieve? Not to mention judging others for our own self-elevation and, quite frankly, self-righteousness, even when we claim we reject religious righteousness, This very thing anchors us into humanity, not transcends us beyond it. I believe that somewhere within us we know this. So why do we think, then, that we need this comparison? Well, comparison is what many people live by. The more people who don't meet our standard, the more elevated we tend to feel, the more exclusive. It's important to note here that every path is valid, whether it be religious or non-religious. Whatever helps us to find our own sense of healing and peace and wholeness is what's true for us in finding our purpose and fulfilling that purpose. So, of course, we're going to be enthusiastic when we meet others and we have an opportunity to share what that journey is. The problem comes in where we begin to project our feelings and our beliefs onto others or expect others to adopt what may actually just be a catalyst for them to find what does work for them. Imagine if we simply share our experiences and support others as they find their own path. That healthy exchange can then not only help us to understand why we believe what we believe, but it may help to enhance our own path. We may learn something that we may not have expected. So to say that a person is or is not woke because they don't share our path is in fact cheating us out of an opportunity to grow in our own beliefs, in our own understanding of who we are, and how we are moving along our journey. Is it possible then that we judge the awareness of others against our own journey because of fear of not having actually awakened, ascended, or evolved, resulting in a closed mind instead of an open one? Is it possible that we fear what may be waiting for us if we truly do dive deeper, or in some cases let go of the wounds, the thoughts, and the belief systems that we believe somewhere within us protects us and helps to save us? If we're in this state, are we truly ascended then? The purpose of this is not to cause us to question our growth. The question is if comparing ourselves to others is needed to validate it. Is it not enough to say that we're open to exploring? Now, back in our story and beyond the wokeness, is it possible that Griffin and the woman cross paths to show that maybe, just maybe, there's another perspective to quote-unquote wokeness? 
if it even exists at all. Or maybe they simply need to be aware of how they feel within themselves without calling it anything other than what it is, their journey. And with that, maybe they can learn to simply be. Thank you for joining me. Until our next exploration, much love to you all. Peace.